0: if we don't do some serious internal work, no amount of external work we do on our bodies or, or our appearance is ever gonna make a difference.
1: If you're a professional singer, want to know how to turn singing into a career, or simply love to hear stories from singers on the road, then the working singer is the podcast for you i chat with pro singers about how they make a creative living in the music business lending their talent to stars like enrique iglesias the killers elvis costello and more they share life lessons business advice and how they make a living when they're off the road we'll also discuss vocal health technique performance coaching And pretty much all things vocal. Elevate your approach to your singing career. Get enlightened about what the pros do. And be inspired with new ideas that you can make your own. My name is Jamila Ford, and this is The Working Singer Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone. I am so excited that you're here. Thank you for joining me once again. I know that there are a million things that you could be doing and I know I say that all the time, but really and truly life is so busy. It's so so busy. And I really do appreciate you guys coming and spending this hour with us. Um we have a great guest today, Lee Kara. She is a cruise ship singer. She is a full-time entertainer. She is also a holistic health coach. She and she has helped so many singers in her business navigate their careers and their health. It can be a tough thing, especially if you are on the road a lot and even when you're not, you know, all of the auditioning and everything just takes its toll. It really can. And I think This is such a business of rejection and disappointments. And, you know, we have to figure out a way to process that in a healthy way and really get a handle on our thoughts around being rejected and feeling disappointed and not act as if it doesn't matter because those little things do matter and they can chip away at you. Until, you know, those little chips become little cracks and then the cracks become a big crater. And all of a sudden you have no idea what's going on, (laughs) you know. Um, So we talk into, we get into it. We talk about self-care and just kind of how being on a cruise ship for her, um, she's done it for many years, kind of led to her whole health care journey holistic healthcare journeys, self-care, all of that. And I'm, I know so many of you can relate to that, especially if you're on the road a lot, that it can be very brutal um, on your body and your voice and, and I think on your mentality as well. So, you know, I think it's really important for us to come up with ways to take care of ourselves, you know, and tell ourselves nice things. <laughs> every once in a while we do deserve it you do deserve to hear something nice about yourself especially when you're getting rejected on a regular basis because that's just kind of baked in the cake of this business so um you know we get into just kind of navigating the singer world the cruise ship singer world we we talk about first and you know we we discuss health care in that world um not just caring for oneself but receiving actual health care. There are so few jobs available to us that actually provide that. So she talks about the details of that, what you can expect to be paid. Um, kind of her turning point for caring for herself, um, and and everything that that entailed, and how she has turned that around to help other singers, um, learn how to care for themselves and kind of come up with a process for that for themselves. So I think it's really wonderful. I think it's such important work to do. And um, this is really a great conversation. I love talking about stuff like this. So I really hope you guys enjoy it. Um, and a little introduction, Lee Kara is a full-time professional entertainer, songwriter, and musician who is also a certified holistic coach and Reiki practitioner. She helps exhausted and overwhelmed pros in showbiz thrive through mindfulness, holistic health, and lifestyle design. Love it. So, without further ado, Lee Kara. Lee Kara, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited that you're here.
0: I'm excited to be here, Jamila. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Awesome. Um, so, let's get right into it. Um, where are you from? Where did you grow up?
0: Well, I, I like to tell people I'm from Ventura just because it's a beach town, but I only lived there till I was about four and a half. Um, where I grew up and where I'm, where I'm really from, I suppose, is a little town in central California called Visalia. And it is in the Fresno area. It's about 45 minutes south of Fresno. And I like to tell people that, you know, you're getting close to my hometown when you can smell the dairies from the freeway.
1: there you go nice (laughs) so yeah
0: so that should paint a picture for you
1: (laughs) so what was uh what was life like growing up
0: Uh, Visalia is you know it's grown a lot but it's it's a small town it was definitely a smaller town at the time I was growing up now it's Mm -hmm. got about 140,000 people but even to this day it's the kind of place where if you go out to downtown and I use the term downtown very loosely, I've got air quotes going on for those of you who can't see me. Um, it's about a two mile stretch of main street and maybe, you know, a mile or so worth a, worth of road running on, on either side of it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's downtown. Um, and it's the kind of place where if you go out for an hour, you will run into at least eight people, you know, in that hour. And, uh, the the thing about Visalia, even for being such a small town, funny enough, it has this really thriving uh, musical theater and performing arts scene there. Mm-hmm. So um, there there was a great program called, uh, that the, was put on by the county, Tulare County Office of Education would do this big like summer musical every year that was open to kids grade seven through just graduated seniors. Um, throughout the entire county so it was this really cool place where you got to meet all these kids from all over the place and it was kind of like the best of the best would all be in from every school would like come and, and be in these shows every summer so um so I I got involved with uh Tico when I was 12 my choir director on my last day of seventh grade said to me Haley why don't you go audition for this musical theater workshop that the county is putting on and I thought all right, why not? And I, I went and I got cast. And uh, they were doing a production of select parts of Bye Bye Birdie, and I got to play Ursula in in the show, which she's pretty over the top, and was a really fun role to play as a as a you know overzealous twelve year old. So um, <laughs> ever since that point, I just kind of did like two or three shows a year every year until I graduated. And wow. um, and my my high school was a place where like all the cool kids who were like the like three sports a year, you know, jock types, they also happened to be the people who were the valedictorians and they also were all involved with like choir and drama. So it was like this weird little hmm. universe where choir and drama were kind of the cool thing to do. Um so even though I don't necessarily consider myself to have been one of the quote cool kids, I knew all the cool kids and was friends with them from from singing and performing with them for years. So it was it was a neat little place to to grow up especially as a as a musician, singer, performer. Nice. And were your parents musical also? Yeah, so they um neither one of them has ever gone into music full time, but they're they're both very musical. Um my my dad is, you know, a musician, mainly guitar player, and he plays piano and bass, and he's a singer and a songwriter. Mm-hmm. My mom plays guitar and sings and writes music as well. In fact, when I was really young and they were still married, they had a duet act called Trick Rider, and they used to play all the like nightclubs and bars and county fairs and things like that around the San Joaquin Valley where I grew up. And from the time I was big enough to carry a mic stand, I would help roadie for them. So I, <laughs> so I would like go with them. I'd help them set up on a Friday or Saturday afternoon and that yeah. night I'd be home with a babysitter. So um, they were always really encouraging and, and they were excited when I started playing like solo acoustic singer songwriter type gigs at the local coffee shop when I was like 16. So I, I kind of always had one foot in the theater world and one foot in the musician singer songwriter world.
1: Yeah, very cool. So you graduate from high school and then what happens?
0: Hmm. Well, I, um, I kind of had it in my head for a long time uh, during high school, cause I was I was really involved with, with my youth group back then. And um, because I play guitar and, and sing and everything, I kind of fell into a leadership role among the band. And I kind of felt like, okay, well, if I have this, if I have this talent, then I must, you know, it must be that I'm supposed to use it like in ministry. And, um, and I really wrestled with that and, and had kind of resigned myself to the fact that I was going to go into, go into like music ministry somehow and had been accepted to a school, um, uh, Azusa Pacific actually had been accepted to Azusa Pacific in their commercial music program. And, um, That was kind of my plan. And then my senior year we did, I know you asked about after high school, but I'm getting there, I promise. My senior year (laughs) was the first year that the musical Les Miserables was available for high schools to do. And Mm -hmm. we got to do it and I got to play Cosette. And um, I remember like after the show and it was amazing, such an incredible experience. After the show and after Strike, we were in the big like historic 1200 state theater that the school district used for all of their productions. And I was sitting in the very back row of the balcony with the gal who was a friend of mine who had played Fontaine. And we're watching like the last people scurry around the stage, like doing the you know loose ends of strike. And, and I was like, I can't do anything else with my life but theater. Mm. And so that kind of turned everything on its head because this was spring of my senior year. And suddenly I didn't have time to apply to any schools or anything. So I went to the local junior college for a year. I was actually there on a full um, full scholarship through their choir program and, um, did, uh, the, the, you know, chamber choir and, and, and the whole nine with, with all of that. And, um, that, that year, my dad took me to a performing arts college fair down in Los Angeles. And I, just to give a little background, um, I went to, to high school with a gal named Betsy Wolf. Mm. Betsy is a rising star on Broadway. She played Jenna in Waitress. Um, she was the first gal to follow Sarah Bareilles and had a really nice run of it. Um, if you've ever seen like pictures from from the tour or anything like that, the the blonde um, that they've got as Jenna is Betsy. She's like the face of of all the big trucks on tour and things like that. Um, yeah. But anyway, Betts was a senior my freshman year. So she was somebody that I really looked up to. Mm. And she went to Cincinnati Conservatory of Music. So I had it in my head, I am going to CCM. And so my dad takes me to this college fair. I made a beeline to, to the CCM booth. I wasn't really interested in anything else and like talked with the recruiter and everything there for a while. And then afterwards, my dad was like, hey, Lee, maybe you should take a look at this over here. And it was for ANDA, the American Musical and Dramatic Academy. And I was like, okay, fine, you know, in my head, I was like, fine, I'll go ahead and, and look into this. I'll appease my dad because he drove me down here. And um through some twist of fate, I ended up reading the fine print wrong on the um deadline to submit for auditions for CCM. Mm-hmm. And so I missed it. And so I was like, okay, well, I guess I should still just go ahead and audition for Amda. And I ended up getting in and mm-hmm. um got a really generous, uh, scholarship from, from them. And, um, so I moved from like small town USA to West Hollywood (laughs) as a 19 year old. And they put us up in Park La Brea, which is right across the street from the Grove. And I was going to school, uh, you know it, I see. Mm -hmm. And I was going to school a block North of Hollywood and Vine just across from the Capitol records building. So my world got flipped on its head completely. Mm. And <laughs> excuse me. And when I was um in that time I was a pretty wholesome kid so like I wasn't necessarily getting into trouble or anything in in Hollywood even though there were there was certainly ample opportunity. Um I I just kind of put my head down and was loving like living, eating, breathing and sleeping musical theater, you know, voice, dance and acting and and I did the entire 2 year program. In fourteen months, because I went straight through the summer semester, so I was just hungry at that point. And yeah. then, as soon as I graduated, you know, I dived right into, um, I dived right into that that survival job, day gig. I was working at Starbucks, of course, because I think we've all worked at Starbucks or something like it at one point. <laughs> I was working at Starbucks, and I was catering, and I was auditioning whenever I could. And I would, I would open at Starbucks, so I would get to work by like four or five in the morning work until like noon or one and then I would have the afternoon off to go catch any auditions or, or whatnot that came up. So um I did that for a bit and then about two months after I graduated I booked my first job on a cruise ship.
1: Wow. And for those who don't know, what does Amda stand for? Because I know people <laughs> in other cities, states, countries listen to this. So
0: sure. So Amda is the American Musical and Dramatic Academy. And they've got a campus that's been in New York City for over 50 years now. And then the LA campus, which is where I went, obviously. um, At the time I went, this was 14 years ago. At the time I went, um, the LA campus was brand new. I was like the third or fourth graduating class to come out of there in terms of like semesters. So the the campus had only been open for like a couple of years maybe by Mm -hmm. the time I graduated. So it was a tiny program. At the time, there were twenty-seven in my graduating class, so it was really cool. We got a lot of individual attention. Nice. Um, they really uh, tailored the training to each of us and our individual strengths. Mm. So they really set us up for success.
1: Yeah, probably a great thing to you know kind of be the first to to go through. You know. Yeah. Have that sort yeah. of individual that intimacy in the teaching and everything. For
0: sure. Yeah. It was it was a special time.
1: For me, yeah. nice. I actually kind of remember when it first, because I live in that neighbor. I still live in that neighborhood. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I, I live pretty close, so I do remember when it was first built. So we were like right <laughs> near each other, and we're talking. Yeah, oh, funny. Small so world. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so you get your first cruise ship gig, and and what's that like?
0: Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Cruise ships at the time, um, well, first of all, it's it, it, just to put it in perspective, even when I left for school, I was only a three-hour drive from where I grew up. I was a 35-minute drive away from my mom. She was living in, is still living in Santa Clarita. Mm-hmm. And um, I, this was the first time I ever um, left home for like eight months and couldn't come back. So. Mm-hmm. That was a shock to my system as, as a 20 year old. And, um, it was in some ways it was amazing. You know, I, I, I met people from all over the world. Living on a cruise ship is like living in a really teeny tiny town. Only the little teeny tiny town has people from about 50 different countries in it. And Mm. you, you know, so many people by name. Anybody you don't know by name, you know their faces because you pass each other every day. There are only so many places to go. Um, so that that was really amazing. However, um, at the time, I was living in an inside cabin, so I didn't have any windows. I didn't have any natural light in the room I was living in. Mm. That was really hard for me. And on cruise ships, the number one thing, yeah, you're in entertainment, but you're actually working first and foremost in the hospitality industry because Mm -hmm. people are paying for these all-inclusive vacations to come on board and, and, you know, your, your show product is, is a part of that experience for them. But with that comes a lot of rules in terms Mm -hmm. of like where you're allowed to go, when you're allowed to go get something to eat. Mm -hmm. Um, you always have to have a name tag on at the, at the time with that job. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, there were a lot of things about it that were really hard for me and that yeah. I, I really didn't enjoy. I enjoyed the shows. It was really fun for me to get to, to get to perform and to yeah. get to be making a full-time living just from being a performer. Like I remember actually, because when I joined the ship, it, it was in dry dock. So it was having some repairs and, and refurbishing and stuff going on. So we were rehearsing. It was the funniest thing. We were rehearsing in the theater and the the stage was clear, but then the lounge was stacked to the ceiling with mattresses when I first arrived. Oh, okay. (laughs) And um and then like we spent our three weeks. We got the two shows up in three weeks, which I had never done anything that fast. I came Mm. from the world of like you rehearse for six weeks, you perform for two weekends. You know, so getting into a professional pace was um was eye-opening for me. And then when we finished dry dock we had like two or three days where we were sailing from mobile alabama where we were in the shipyard to um to galveston texas and i remember being on the bow of the ship when it was sailing and i was by myself and i was like oh my god i'm doing it i'm employed full-time as an entertainer and nothing else Mm -hmm. and i have friends who are going to school for nursing or political science or whatever. And they're still like in maybe year three or so of their four-year programs. And I'm already doing the thing that I set out to do that everybody said is like impossible to do. So it was, it was pretty cool in that regard.
1: Excuse me. Yeah. So um, how long did you stay with that? And are you still kind of in the cruise ship universe?
0: Uh, So funny enough, I, I, I told you I had kind of a, a major love-hate relationship with, with ships. In fact, I mostly hated them at that point. And I kind of swore up and down I was never going to do another cruise ship. And I went on and I did, um, I worked in Vegas for a little while. I I worked in Macau, China when the Venetian opened up over there. I was doing Streetmosphere performing um, for the grand opening out there. They call it the Vegas of Asia. Um, I was doing some regional theater in Northern California I went and worked in Japan for a year um, at Universal Studios, so I was doing all these different things. Um, but a few years after that ship, I realized that I was dreaming about being on a ship at night and it and then I kind of you know woke up and took notice of it, especially after the second or third time it happened, and I was like, "Huh, I must miss this mm. and it was weird to me because i i like was never gonna do another cruise ship. Hmm. Um, but I I mean <laughs> there's a running joke in the industry where it's like, I'll just do one more contract. So like everybody is kind of has been in a space where right. they say they're never doing another one. Yeah. But um there's like a meme floating around on on social media of like a skeleton and it says, I'm just gonna do one more contract. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But um but but yeah so I, um, toward the end of my contract in Japan, um, I, I just like sent out my showreel to a bunch of different, you know, a bunch of different directions and cruise lines were, were in there as well. And I got an email back from princess saying, Hey, we're going to keep you on file. And like six months later, I got an, an email out of the blue with a job offer for a contract. And I've mm. been there for eight years now.
1: Mm. And what do you think it is you, um, missed possibly
0: you know it was being around people from so many different parts of the world and so many different cultures and so Mm. many different walks of life i think that once you've traveled and especially working on ships where you have just got everybody in like close quarters together um you have and you're living in each other's pockets and you just kind of have to learn to be open
1: mm. in
0: in that setting and and i think once you have been exposed to that kind uh that way of life and and that um perspective on the world it becomes really hard to be anywhere where the perspective is smaller mm. and where and where it's, it's really narrow. So it, it, you know, this, this sounds so cliche, but I, I kind of felt like I went from being like a citizen of the U S to being a citizen of the world in, in mm. a sense. In fact, I've spent more of my adult life out of the U S than I have spent in the U S at this point. Mm. Um, and, and that, it's just being around people that can, that can go, well, but what if you think about it this way Yeah. or, you know, it's being around people that caused me to just kind of step back and look at things objectively and go, maybe the way that we do it is not the only right way to do it. Yeah. So that, that I think is the biggest thing that I missed. And, and I mean, it's worked out well because my, I met my partner who is, is from Canada. I mean, it's, it's not too far away, but it's definitely a, a very different, um, very different way of thinking, even from the U S even though we're Mm. neighbors. Um, Mm. so I met my partner, um, on ships, he's a musician and, um, and it's just been so, you know, so eye-opening. like I said, Mm. just to, just to be around people who, who make me think about things differently and really make me question what I believe about things and why I believe them. And, Mm. and it's really taught me a lot about like, uh, doing my own due diligence and like getting really clear on what my personal values are as a human not necessarily like as a spirit as a human not necessarily as like a citizen you right. know it, it's it's I don't know it's it's bigger somehow
1: mm. oh my gosh that's such an important perspective I love that what other countries uh did you have you gotten to see doing uh, oh,
0: I've been to like 70 plus countries at this point wow <laughs> eight years on ships you you get around um yeah it's and i've i've repeated a lot of itineraries at this point too which is mm-hmm. which is cool so i get to cruising is cool it's kind of like a sample platter to like figure out what parts of the world you actually want to go back and spend more time mm. um so i've i've really fallen in love with all of europe i i love the baltics you know cruising mm-hmm. from cruising from copenhagen through like uh Finland and Norway and, and over to St. Petersburg, Russia. And, um, Mm. that, that whole run is incredible. I also really love the Mediterranean. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm pretty conversational in Italian these days. Um, I spent a summer in Italy between, Uh, the year I spent in Japan and going to work on ships and there are a ton of Italians that work on cruise ships so Mm. I I have a lot of opportunity to speak and I would have friends who like to pretend that they didn't understand me when I spoke English to (laughs) to force me to practice Italian and funny enough my boyfriend is is first generation Italian Canadian so I get to when I'm around his his family his his older relatives who immigrated to the U.S. and or excuse me to, to Canada um I get an opportunity to like pull out my little party trick and, and, and speak Italian with them. So that's always fun. But, um, but yeah, I've been, you know, uh, last our winter, their summer, I I spent the whole season in Australia and New Zealand and um, I've cruised around all the way down around the southernmost tip of of South America, like down one side and back up the other. Um, I've done a ton of Alaska cruising Caribbean, Hawaii, British Isles. I mean, you name it, it's,
1: nice. <laughs> it's oh taken gosh. me everywhere. <laughs> wow, that's fun, I love it. How much time do you generally have to uh, have on dry land to go in, and explore?
0: With my job, um, cause I'm a, currently, I'm a production singer in, in the cast. Um, when I'm not on stage, I'm basically on vacation and I have full guest privileges. So mm-hmm. once, aside from like a month or so when you first get on board, when, when you're in an install process of getting all the shows on their feet, Um, you don't really have much time in port during that initial process, but once it's done, unless somebody's injured or the cast manager calls a note session or something like that, or you need to do a tech run for like a new stage, um, stage crew member who's come on board, um, you pretty much have every day in port to like go play and explore. Mm. So I've had a lot of time to just get to go out and it's cool because a lot of the time on ships, you're there, like every week you kind of repeat the itinerary over and over for like three to six months or so Mm -hmm. and um so you kind of get to know your own little like haunts and and places that you like to go to and you know restaurants and that's the number one thing like food and wi-fi those are the things that crew members always make a beeline for when they're in port
1: (laughs) Mm. (laughs) that sounds like tour (laughs) sounds like general touring yeah (laughs) For people who don't know and have never done this kind of work, if you spent, like, the year uh, doing cruises, what kind of money could you expect to make?
0: Uh, it varies from cruise line to cruise line. Mm. Um, and also, it depends on how much time you take off in between each each contract. Um, I know that that I'm hired on a contract by contract basis. I'm not okay. like an ongoing employee of the company. So I'm an okay. ind- independent contractor. Okay. Um, but I mean, most cruise lines industry-wide, industry-wide, you're probably not gonna be offered much less than like 900 a week or so when you're starting out, that's on the low end. Okay. Um, on the higher end, starting out, you could be looking at around twelve a week. Okay. Um, so again, it just depends on on how much you're working. Um, on average, I work like eight or nine months of the year at sea. Um, a lot of the time I'll have um, you'll have about a, a six week rehearsal period or so before then rehearsal pay is way lower. Um, Is a way lower rate than um because i think they're just you know hedging their bets and and still kind of reserving the the right to let people go if they're not going to work out or whatnot but they're just kind of giving you housing and everything and enough to to survive on in rehearsals but um Mm. but you don't start making like real money until you get on board so having said that you know sometimes you're you're in rehearsals for a good chunk of time throughout the year but you could probably i'd say starting out you could probably expect to make between like i'd say anywhere from like 38 to 45 a year depending on depending on how much time you actually spend at sea and okay. then of course the longer you're around um you you know become eligible for, for pay raises and some places mm. will have will have a cap in terms of, of the salary. Um, but I to to put it in perspective, I've been doing this, like I said, with princess for about eight years. And the last couple of years I've been right around 50 in a year, working mm. like eight or nine months a year at sea.
1: So, okay. And is this so, the kind yeah. of job that gives health care or do you
0: yeah actually. so when you're on contract, you mm-hmm. they have a medical center on board. Um, so you're totally covered for like any kind of sickness. I mean, as singers, especially every once in a while if if I'm really struggling with something, I'll go and i'll i'll I don't like to do it because I like to take more of a holistic approach to health and wellness. but if mm-hmm. I'm really needing to get through a tough time and just kind of muscle through to the end of a contract or something i'll I would go and get like a course of steroids or or something, um, like I said, I don't like to do it, but right. once in a great while, we all have a crutch that we need to lean on here and there. Um, but yeah, so you get yeah. medical, um, and, and if something happens during your contract where you get injured and, and you have to leave or whatnot, then they'll cover all your medical bills um, until you're, you're cleared for duty again, essentially. Mm. Um, like I, I left a contract about a year or so ago because we were doing, um, we were doing like our full show load. So about our, we had like four different shows that we were doing, and we would do them about every other night. They're like thirty-five to forty-five minutes or so, and you would do generally two performances in a night, sometimes three, depending on the cruise director and how they, um, or the entertainment director rather, and how they schedule everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were doing that kind of a show load, but then we were also doing the press premiere for a show. Princess has a has a partnership with Stephen Schwartz and his production company. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those who don't know, Stephen Schwartz is is the guy who wrote the music for Wicked, for Godspell, oh, wow. um, you know, a bunch of other bunch of other stuff. He's done a lot of work with Disney. Um, mm. He's a he's a big big name in the musical theater world. And Princess partnered with his production company about four years ago, and. Um, they've now put out four different shows, like, under his, under his umbrella, um, and they're working on another one now. Um, but my team at the time, we were doing our full show load, and we were also getting ready to do the press premiere for the second of, of the Stephen Schwartz shows that they had done in, in New York, and, um, and so we were in rehearsals for, like, seven and a half weeks um at pretty much every day on top of our normal show load and the last three weeks of which or two or three weeks I don't remember now um the New York creative team was on board so the it was really cool actually the the MD his name was Brian Perry he's he at the time was the conductor for Wicked right now he's the MD and conductor for Jagged Little Pill um so the new Alanis musical so oh, wow. um it was such a cool experience and like You know, we and we were getting ready for this press premiere where Stephen Schwartz was going to be in the audience, and the show was kind of like a a chorus line where it really kind of highlights the Broadway dancer and what their lifestyle is like, and and went through all the different styles and eras of choreography on Broadway and whatnot. And it was shot, it was done in kind of a documentary style where they had these little interviews with all these Broadway stars and choreographers, and they were projected up onto the screens like intermittently, and then they would like talk about. Either a certain choreographer or a time period on Broadway, hmm. um, and then like we would do a number live on on stage, like in that style and that time period. So all these huge Broadway wow. stars that were that were part of our show, like in the interview process within the show, they were in the audience when we did the press premiere, and of course all the press is there and whatnot. So it was something that we needed to like, we needed to just get through, and mm. um and I was singing a lot during that time, yeah and. I get hired to sing a lot of belty, you know, rock and and um, R and B, and I'm I'm the one who always gets cast in like the Tina Turner and Whitney Houston type tracks when we're doing like uh, shows like sweet soul music and um, and then I'm the one who was like belting my face off at the end of Memory in in this show Born to Dance I've been talking about so I, I and and classically speaking I'm a lyric soprano so my voice is built for much lighter work but because I have a high register I can belt really high Mm -hmm. pretty easily Mm -hmm. Um, so I get hired for that Um, so anyway all of that to say I ended up doing having another round of nodules I've I've had them like three or four times Mm. at, at this point I've never had to have surgery or anything I've always been hyper aware of everything going on in my in my throat and the moment i feel something is off i go get scoped and then i stay quiet until it's better um Mm. but i ended up being medically disembarked at the end of that contract because i was just singing too much and and there was no time to rest (laughs) right um and uh and they they covered all of my costs um for my ongoing ongoing um appointments with my ENT and and everything like that. I just submitted the, the mm. receipts for it. And and then once I was cleared for duty, everything was was done. So yes, yeah. that was a very long winded way of telling you, yes, you do get medical coverage um, during the time of rehearsals and the contract itself. And should anything go wrong, they'll, they'll cover you. Um, mm. They'll cover you after. And a lot of the time too, they actually do. Some lines will offer um, uh, like a couple months or so of like sick, wages. Like if you're Mm -hmm. injured in the middle of a contract and like have to leave, then they kind of give you a little severance on top of covering your costs. Nice. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I love that. And, uh, yeah, I just think that's brass tacks to see exactly, you know, how it works if we don't know. And most of the time, you know, you're not in a job that helps you out in that way. So that's really, you know, great to know. Um, let's see. So, um, speaking of, you know, uh, having some vocal health issues and things like that and and handling them holistically. Uh, mm-hmm. Talk to us about being a, a holistic health coach because you've kind of gone <laughs> down that path.
0: Yeah, so during, um, during this past year while I was on contract at sea, I actually completed my holistic health coaching certification online through the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And um, it kind of came up because... Well, first of all, I've lived a super unconventional lifestyle. I've been traveling full-time and performing for like 14 years. um, And I, it's chaotic (laughs) (laughs) to say the least. Um, And between that and just like really needing to cultivate some self-care practices um, Mm. so that I can stay healthy and I can stay sane and show up and do my job the way I need to do it. And then not long after I turned 30, I started noticing that I had like an extra 15 pounds or so that had kind of crept on little by little and just being really stubborn and it wasn't going away. And, um, I'm really, i like, nobody else knew. I, I knew, I knew because of the way my clothes were fitting. Um, but I'm, I'm really petite and I'm really muscular. And, and so most people just, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't have known anything at all, but I knew. And, um. I used to be an avid runner. Um, I always played softball when I was growing up, like high impact stuff that I would do. And, you know, throughout my twenties, I would like go to the gym and go hard and do like, um, not like major distance running, but I would go for like a three to five mile run, you know, four-ish days a week. And um, after, you know, just years, especially of of being on cruise ships and dancing on a steel stage in, Capizio character shoes with about an inch of Marley being the only thing that was like cushioning any of the blow from jumping around and, and running and dancing on stage and whatnot. My yeah. knees were just starting to take a serious beating. So what was happening with me is I would like go to the gym and I would work out really, really hard and I would kind of hurt myself. And mm. then I would have to like lay out and and just like baby my body so that I could do my job in the shows at night. Mm. And, um, I just kind of realized, okay, I can't do this like high impact, go hard approach to exercise anymore. Um, because I would like hurt myself and I wouldn't really be able to be active for like a week or two and then I would feel better. And then I would like do it all over again. And Mm. so I, I shifted gears at that point and I was like, okay, I've always heard that, that weight loss is, or fitness weight loss is 80% diet and about 20% exercise. Mm -hmm. So I just decided at that point not to do anything like too drastic because I wanted to do something that was going to be sustainable because this like start and stop approach to my fitness was not working. Um, So I decided to just focus on eating more plants. I didn't Mm. go strictly vegetarian or strictly vegan or anything like that. But I decided to start just eating more plants. As a result, I cut way back on things like meat and dairy. Um I was starting to feel so much better that I just wanted to kind of continue with that. And so I ended up cutting back on drinking quite a bit as well, mm. which if you've ever worked on cruise ships, any of your listeners, like there's a huge culture around the crew bar. Mm. Um that's like the number one thing that all the crew members get to do to go and blow off steam. So drinking is just and like putting on a cocktail dress and going and having a drink while you listen to the jazz. Quartet or whatever, like mm. it. Drinking alcohol is a huge part of the culture on on board. Mm. Um, so I I cut way back on all of those things, and then instead of like going hard in the gym, I started focusing on like just being consistent with more gentle approaches to exercise. And for me, that took on the shape of yoga and like walking uphill on the treadmill in the gym. Mm. And about four months into this this shift i stepped on the scale one day and i realized i had dropped about 12 pounds without mm. meaning to and i was like huh okay well something's working and then about by the time six months had gone by i ended up dropping a total of 18 pounds and i was the leanest i had ever been in my oh. adult life and i kind of went okay And and then also throughout the course of this, like gentler approach, I was feeling so good doing yoga and like that mindfulness and presence, um, Mm. all of that kind of stuff that felt so good to me that I started making room in my life for, um, for more mindfulness practices. So I started getting into meditation and getting more consistent with journaling and visualization Mm. and, and all of this kind of stuff. And, um, and then by the end of six months, when I had dropped these, these 18 pounds and I was feeling really good. I was feeling less stressed out. I was feeling more grounded and mm. more present, and and that meant I was able to show up on stage better. In addition to um, just dealing mm. with the the day in and day out stuff of of being a crew member, because it's a weird little world out there. Um,
1: yeah,
0: it's very like militant in a lot of ways. The mm. the life, lifestyle of a crew member, and I just kind of went okay this like bigger picture approach to health and wellness is working really well for me. I want to learn more about this. And Mm. I started just kind of doing some research and stumbled across a blog post somewhere of an alumnus of, of IIN Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And like within a couple of days, I was on the phone with, um, with what are they called like an enrollment not a recruiter but you know somebody who is helping with enrollments and whatnot and I asked some really key questions I was like can I do this when I don't have regular internet access like every day like I'm in port you know all the time so if is there a way for me to download the class material and and you know watch it offline and she was like yes they have an app that you were able to do it all through Mm. um and I just kind of got some questions answered about the logistics in terms of like how much of the program I needed to be like on a live call for or or whatever. And thankfully it worked out. And so I ended up, I ended up doing it. And um, also during that time, I, I became a Reiki practitioner. So mm. I just kind of ended up in this like holistic wellness world. And it was so cool because uh, the school has this concept a couple of concepts that were really attractive to me? One is an idea of bio individuality that not any one thing is right for every person. Like one mm. person's food is another person's poison. And right. another, um, and because of that, they they cover about a hundred different dietary theories in the course of the certification program. Um, so you really have an opportunity to I really have an opportunity to offer an individualized approach to the work I do with clients based on mm. their unique. Dietary preferences, values, beliefs, whatever. Um, So I'm not necessarily having to push any one approach onto anybody. I really get an opportunity to meet people where they're at and tailor um, the, the strategy around their own wellness to them. And then the other thing that I loved is they have this concept of primary food and secondary food. Secondary food is the food you put in your mouth. Primary food is everything else in your life that feeds you your relationships Ooh. your spiritual belief your creativity your your edu- uh, education your home life um mm. you know your financial wellness all of these different things that contribute to the the big picture of your overall wellness so and then since i've done that um i've been doing some work with clients here and there both doing one on one work with coaching clients um mm. i do a lot of work with people around mindset yeah and like how to reprogram the subconscious mind and use that information to set goals and reverse engineer those goals to help them figure out a step by step plan to accomplish them um, do a lot of work with helping clients to change their emotional state because the this business is tough, and especially as women in in entertainment there's so much rejection there's so much um there's so much just like waiting for somebody else to give you permission to like be good enough Mm. that I, I think it just, it, it beats you down after a while. And if you don't have the tools to understand how to cultivate a self-love that's Mm. powerful enough to like carry you through all of the rejection and all of the crap that we deal with and all of the stuff about, you know, so much of our, our value as women in entertainment being placed on our physical appearance and um, And, you know, whether or not we're quote sexy or, or whatever, you know, if if we don't do some serious internal work, Mm -hmm. no amount of external work we do on our bodies or, or our appearance is ever going to make a difference. So I, I really love getting down into like that deep inner work around self-love and just really rewiring the subconscious mind so that, it's working in your favor and it's mm. allowing you to live in a way that's an alignment for you. Mm. And uh and that's where a lot of my my energy work with doing uh doing Reiki comes in and goes hand in hand really nicely. Um because if somebody's really struggling with like a certain mental block or or they have some kind of a shift that they need to make the, the Reiki gives me a really unique opportunity to hold a space for somebody and facilitate that shift energetically
1: and mm. uh, what is that what is Reiki for for people who don't know what it is have never experienced it and what's your role in it
0: so Reiki is a Japanese energy healing and relaxation technique um, Reiki basically. Is a divinely guided life force energy. So mm. it's what people would call like chi or ki in in Eastern philosophy. Um, and basically, my role as a practitioner is to hold a space and set the intention for somebody, for the person's highest good, and mm. to allow myself to be a channel for that energy to flow through. Mm. And because Reiki is divinely guided, it it's intelligent. It knows where to go and and what needs to be done so it goes where it knows it's needed and um and yeah my role is just to be a a channel essentially and and to hold an active space for the healing of that Mm. individual that i'm working with
1: how do you become a practitioner
0: so you have to do a uh, what's called a reiki attunement so basically reiki works like a radio frequency so once you go to a radio, uh, radio, excuse me, a Reiki master, mm-hmm. and a Reiki master is able to tune your individual radio, if you will, into that frequency, so that you're able to access the Reiki energy at any time for the rest of your life. So you go <clears throat> to a Reiki master, and and it happens in levels. I'm I'm at level two, so I'm at what's called the practitioner level. Level one, um, you do an attunement, and it's just like a little there's generally like a workshop as well where the the reiki master will kind of give you some information about like the history of reiki kind of some logistics about like how it works okay um and then and then there's a there's the actual attunement that happens where you're essentially like plugged into that that energy and are given access to it um so at level one you're able to start doing like self-care um reiki is really amazing for for like part of your self-care regimen. And then you can also do Reiki for like friends and family, not necessarily charging for it, but, um, and you can also do it with pets. Um, I actually do quite a bit of, of work on, we've got a very old kitty in the house here, um, named Sammy, which I know you have a kitty named Sammy too. <laughs>
1: I do. <laughs> um,
0: so Sammy, um, is one of my most regular clients and, uh. and uh, it really makes a difference in, in, um, if he's being kind of lethargic or if he's Mm. like, you know, peeing where he's not supposed to in the house or whatever, he always kind of tends to be brighter and have more energy and stop acting out in, in those ways for a while after I do a treatment. So Reiki is a really cool thing for, for animals as well. Um, so level one, you're just kind of able to do it casually level two, you um, start to get into some more of the specifics with it in terms of like different um, uh, different like focuses that you can have in a session Mm. and you can also at level two, um, do healings via long distance. Um, so Reiki is able to be sent through time and space. So I actually do long distance sessions with, with clients quite a bit these days. And, um, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. And then Mm. the next step for me would be, um, oh and level two the level i'm at is where you're able to actually be a practitioner where you're able to to um provide the service for a fee and um and then there are another one or two levels depending on on who you go to but basically there is like there's a level three where you kind of have all the bells and whistles and you Mm -hmm. like learn to kind of go even deeper with it and then there's what's called the Reiki master where you're able to actually do attunements for other people to start to access Reiki
1: and become practitioners themselves. Mm. That's great I love that Um, and as far as uh, have you worked with a lot of um, artists and singers and creatives and things like that and And what have you found, I suppose, to be in common, just as far as the overall wellness that you have to—I don't know—it sort of attend to.
0: So, yes, primarily who I work with are are entertainers. Um, Okay. That women in entertainment are are most of who I who I work with. Okay. Um, I've I've been talking with a lot of people lately. I've actually been doing market research um, to just learn where are the needs? And how can I serve our community in a way that is really going to move the needle for people and make mm-hmm. a positive impact in their lives? And there are a few common themes that that I'm seeing come up, both in like the interview process that I'm doing with, with people and the client work that I've been doing. And one, everybody kind of has the same approach in terms of, yeah, you really got to look after yourself, body, mind, and spirit, because We are our product, our bodies, our voices, our, our personhood is, you know, the, uh, the vehicle for, for us to, to make our living in, in entertainment as performers. So there's just a huge need to look after ourselves because, you know, if physically speaking, if you're, if you're under the weather or you're not performing at capacity, then, you know, your product is going to suffer. Your performance is going to suffer. Um, in terms of like, but but one of the biggest things that I'm, that I'm seeing a common thread of is um, a need for a few things. It's really important to have a mindfulness and or a spiritual practice of some sort. And I don't care what you yeah. believe. I don't, I don't care what you ascribe to, as long as you have something, Yeah. something that's bigger than you that you can plug into and and find meaning in um so there's a big a big need for for that because so many people in this industry like i said they're so stressed out all the time they're stressed about making ends meet they're stressed out about whether or not they're they're right for the part are they are they tall enough are they thin enough are they you know, the right voice type, whatever, like there's, again, there's so much freaking rejection that comes along with being in this industry that, you know, cultivating a, a, a set of tools to deal with it when you get knocked down and to figure out how to like self regulate and get yourself back into an emotional state where, mm. where you feel like you can handle things and you can move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's, that's huge. Um, Another thing that I'm seeing is people are in a real state of information overwhelm when it comes to wellness. Um, You know, with the internet, there is so much information available in so many different directions. And there are about 37,000 different opinions about the same exact topic. And it can be really overwhelming and really exhausting to try to do your own research around this kind of stuff. So that's part of why a coaching relationship is something that can be really beneficial to individuals because again, it's tailored to them. It's tailored to, okay, like when I go into a session with one of my clients, I have them fill out a a form before each session. And one of the questions I ask them is what are the top three things you want to touch on in this session today? So you're Mm. really able to get an individualized approach to your own personal blueprint and roadmap for wellness. Mm. Um, So that's one thing. And another, another thing is a lot of people in our industry are lonely. Uh, There's a, there's mm. a real need for community. Um, and so that's one thing that I know I'm getting ready to facilitate, um, is just creating a space for, for performers, female performers in particular, um, and musicians and creatives to, just know that they're not alone in going through this crazy process mm. and trying to make sense of this totally insane industry. You mm. know, um, a place where where you can, you know, make a post and be like, hey, I'm really struggling with this thing. And somebody can say, I yeah. get it, I'm right there with you. You know, cause I think that that, that in of itself, just knowing that you're not the only person who yeah. feels the way you feel that is so empowering. And it's so encouraging. Because mm. it validates Absolutely. it. Because it's real. You know, a lot of people, mm-hmm. I think, kind of get in their own heads. And they're like, oh, well, I'm just making a bigger deal out of this than it is. But, but nine times out of 10, you're not.
1: Mm. So true. And I, I totally agree about, and I was having this thought, this very thought the other day that, you know, whatever you think, uh, feel, believe, don't believe, in you definitely do need to have uh, a spiritual or some kind of practice that handles those things that you can't see some way of handling your emotions some way of processing your inner wellness you know for Mm -hmm. sure it does that does need to happen it's a very real thing and it does take a, a very real toll whatever it is you think believe whatever it you know absolutely it shows up it does show up in your life
0: well, and it's like you said, you know, to, to look after your inner wellness, I, I believe that your outer wellness is a reflection of what's going on with your inner wellness. Definitely. So, and that's, that's why I tend to have a work from the inside out approach when I'm yes. working with clients and, and helping them to establish a self-care routine that is really um, allowing them to thrive and, mm. and flourish.
1: Mm. Definitely, you know something. It's just it's like a simple concept, but for me, it's like huge. But you know, I I've been I've done different types of practices. I was chanting for years, which was really Mm -hmm. great, and it was it was tied to really wonderful philosophy. And um, I'd started recently um, just kind of meditating because I I wanted Mm -hmm. to try something else. And there was a simple thing that they said about um, taking, well, as you're meditating, taking your thoughts that will be coming in. It's not about stopping your thoughts. That's just not going to happen. Um, (laughs) but, (laughs) but taking those thoughts that are kind of pulling you away from yourself, um, letting, and imagining them was floating up into a little balloon, you know, Mm -hmm. floating into the air, each thought floating away. And I just thought, you know, I've been doing that. Just that concept alone has made me much more gentle with myself, you know, mm-hmm. um, much less like the word, I guess like hateful or violent on the inside, you know, it's kind of like it's yeah. yanking. You think it's like somebody yanking a child or something like that, you know, just like mm-hmm. being compassionate towards yourself, yes. towards myself, being more compassionate towards myself. Yeah. And I think that's kind of you know, maybe one of the things that it it comes down to is just like having this sort of compassion towards yourself and not being so hateful because you've got Mm -hmm. these, what you perceive to be flaws or, you know, things you can't overcome, all these obstacles. Maybe you feel you're too weak or don't have enough willpower or, Mm
0: -hmm. or whatever,
1: you know, we can um, give ourselves some love and compassion. And I think, you know, that is uh, one of the things that maybe it comes down to. I mean, what do you think about that? Or what's your yeah. been your assessment doing all this work?
0: So, a couple of things with regard to what you said a minute ago about, you know, the, the meditation technique with with putting those thoughts that are, like, coming in during your meditation into a balloon and, like, imagining them just floating away. That does something really powerful because that lets you know that you are not your thoughts. And it takes you yes. out of a state of identifying with them and puts you into a state of observing them. Mm-hmm. And that's all that mindfulness yes. is. Yes, It's being present and observing things around you, whether that's the thoughts in your own head or if it's, you know, being super present while you're, while you're eating a meal and you're like really being attentive to, to chewing your food thoroughly and mm-hmm. and all the taste sensations and everything. It's, that's all that mindfulness is. It's presence and, mm. and observation. And then on the heels of what you were saying about just having more compassion for yourself, you know, I, I've, I've kind of been uh, dancing around this for a while trying to really boil down like what my approach to wellness is mm. in kind of a single idea. And it was when I shifted from like trying to go hard and kind of beat my body and myself and my spirit into submission to like be what I wanted it to be and behave the way I wanted it to behave and respond the way I wanted it to respond. When I shifted out of that Mm -hmm. and started shifting into an approach of gentleness where every decision I make day in and day out about how I'm treating myself and my body and my mm. spirit and my mind and everything, it all comes from a place of doing something loving for myself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And whether that is, you know, eating a kale salad or if it's cracking open an ice cold beer at the end of a day when I want to have a beer and some tacos because damn it, I deserve to indulge in some food that tastes good and have a good time with my friends and my family. You know, mm-hmm. some some days the choice is to have the donut and that's the thing that's loving. And some days the choice is to go for a run or to go to the yoga class or to, you know, fill your, your fridge with fresh ingredients. Um, it, it looks different moment by moment and, and it's only by learning how to be present and to really check in with yourself and ask yourself the question, what do I need most in this moment? yeah it's coming mm. from that place of really again becoming aware and and letting every choice you make come from a place of what is the most loving thing I can do for myself right now?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and you know I, I heard somebody say the other day, uh, actually it was, it was uh, Bethany Frankel who I, I like a lot um she's kind of a polarizing. I don't know if you, you, I don't know. You've been on cruise ships. Maybe you don't watch the whole. Yeah.
0: I don't know who anybody is. So I'll, I'm but sure I'll hook her up after this though.
1: I, you can call me part of the problem because she, she was part of the, the Real Housewives franchise, but okay. she, she got, so I, love it. I watched, thing. I know that's my thing. Um, but I, you know, I, I watched that. She, but she sort of become, she actually kind of did what you did and, and had gone to, uh, Uh, become a chef, but like a a holistic, you know, did the whole holistic thing, organic, all that kind of thing. She was having her own health issues. And so she started doing that and, and um, had written a book called Naturally Thin and, and, uh, and uh, in it, she's talked about, you know, what we say to ourselves, just the things that we say to ourselves, but this is, you know, pertaining to food. And she said, you know, you don't have to consider yourself bad because you, did this thing or ate this thing or good because you didn't eat that thing you know right we have to like stop telling ourselves these kinds of things and stop attaching you know virtue to what is simply food
0: (laughs) i've heard this before yeah you know it's so true yeah it's so true because it if you label certain foods as inherently good and certain foods as inherently bad then you're never gonna be able to enjoy things in a moment where it's totally appropriate to enjoy it, you know? Like, food is culture. Food is celebration. Food is, I mean, we're coming up on Thanksgiving. I I don't know when this is gonna air, but you know, this is the week before Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. right now. And like, I tell you what, I'm looking forward to having some pumpkin pie and some apple pie and like every type of pie that is at my aunt and uncle's house because it's a celebration. You know? And if I told myself, I can't eat pie because pie is bad, then two things would happen. One, I would always miss out on eating pie, which nobody wants to ever, you know, put themselves in that position. And two, every time I did choose to to indulge in in that, I would feel guilty about it. And it would rob me of the joy in that moment.
1: Yes. And then you would feel like it makes you bad. I think that's by extension. It's like, I'm bad because I ate this bad thing. And now I need to go into a spiral. I mean, it's just like, we have to stop doing this to ourselves. So I think, you know, it's just so important, the work that that you're doing, you know.
0: Thank you. Um,
1: Yeah, that's brilliant. I love it. Well, this has been awesome. This has been it so has. wonderful. Thank <laughs> you so much for this conversation. I love having conversations like this. Oh, my And pleasure. Yeah. And tell, um, tell us all where we can find you online.
0: So you can find me at LeeKara.com. And mm-hmm. I'm sure that Jamila will have all this in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, if you are interested in talking to me either about Reiki or about doing some coaching work, around creating a holistic wellness blueprint tailored to you. And that's totally in alignment for you and how you want to live your life. I'm going to go ahead and set up a page. leakera.com slash the working singer. That is going to nice. be for your listeners to, um, to come and, and, and talk to me. If you guys want to connect with me after, awesome. after this conversation, uh, I would love to connect with you and serve you in any way that I can.
1: I love it. Awesome. That's great. Thank you so much for doing that. And thanks for being here. This is wonderful.
0: Oh, it's been, it's been a blast. Thanks for having me, Jamila.
1: You're welcome. All right, guys, I really hope that you enjoyed that. I certainly did. So let's get into the singing lessons. Number one, if we don't do some serious internal work, no amount of external work we do on our bodies or on our appearance is going to make a difference. Number two, It's really important to have a mindfulness or spiritual practice of some sort. So guys, again, I really hope you enjoyed that. Um, And those two lessons, those two singing lessons, I really feel are tied in with each other. You know, everything, everything I am finding doing this show is so much about mindset. And I don't know how anybody on this show would be successful would have been successful at anything that they were doing if they didn't have some kind of way, some kind of practice of some sort, whether it's yoga or meditation or, you know, a few people subscribe to their religions, whatever it is, um, that can get them back to themselves, get them centered so that they can process all of these things that are going on with them, but especially with the rejection that this business entails a lot of the time. And, you know, there's some great things too, but I think most of it is really, you know, us putting ourselves out there and kind of waiting to hear back. <laughs> and, um, you know, that can kind of take its hold. You're, then you're thinking about okay, how come I'm not hearing back? Was it when I said this or I did this or because I look like this or I should have worn this or who knows? I mean, any number of things. So important to just, I think, get ourselves to a place where we're just not run by our thoughts, I think is ultimately the thing. Get ourselves to a place we are not where we are not overtaken by these things that we think and also get ourselves to a place where we can just feel centered and good and useful and purposeful um, in our lives because we do have lives and not everything is about auditioning. You know, some of us have kids and spouses and parents we need to take care of, and we just want to be our best selves for those people, those other people in our lives um, who need us. You know, so. Um, it's a, it's another reason I think it's just a big thing as to why that self-care is so important because we've got other people in our lives who depend on us. And, and if we're not giving ourselves that time and that space and that care, we're not going to have much to give in all these other areas of our lives where we are necessary and we're vital and we're needed. So I hope that you are inspired. If you are not Uh, meditating or whatever it is that you want to get into, (laughs) whatever resonates with you. I hope you find something that resonates with you. If you haven't already, for me, it has been meditation. It's been yoga. Um, It's been a long walk. It has been having tea or coffee with a friend and just talking through things. It has been, you know, I saw this meme the other day that, Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this on the show before, but I saw a meme the other day that says, you know, those conversations that we have with our friends in the driveway, when they're kind of, they're dropping us off or we're dropping them off after hanging out together and you spend like another half hour or 45 minutes in the car talking. And those seem to be like some of the best conversations you can ever have. And they, they have like so much impact And I've had some really great conversations in my driveway, (laughs) I'll just say, and they have really fed me. And, you know, it's just, I think, finding those things that feed you, but doing it every day. We got to find it every day and we have to be consistent, Um, you know, but in any case, I really do hope that something in this show resonated for you, um, whether you get into any kind of holistic healing or you get into yoga or you get into meditation, or maybe you explore your own religion more deeply. If that's what you're into something to help you to really get at the center of yourself and have more compassion and love for yourself because you do deserve it. You really do. I do mean that. And as I say it to you, I say it to myself because I can be very hard on myself and why Why do that? Why be hard on yourself? The world is tough enough as it is, isn't it? (laughs) So guys, I really hope you enjoyed that again. And I really honestly and truly do appreciate you listening. You know, for further support, please, please get onto the Facebook group. You go into your Facebook search, type in the Working Singer Podcast community, ask to join and I will let you in. And we've got events once a month. If you are in or near L.A., we can hang out and talk and just kind of get that in-person support. We've done some fun events this year, um, which have included lots of singing and eating and drinking and uh, some educational stuff as well. <laughs> so uh, please do get on and introduce yourself and and all of that. I would love to see you there. Um, you can find me on Instagram at... Jamila Ford Music. That's J A M I L A. I almost forgot to to spell my name for a second there. J A M I L A F O R D Music. And the Working Singer Podcast also has an Instagram page. So please follow me there. Feel free to DM me. Um, I read and do my best to answer all of my DMs. And um, what else we got going on? Yeah, just stay in touch. And if there is anybody that you think would be great to interview for the show, um, I don't really do artist interviews. I don't really try to promote projects necessarily. I like to just talk about the careers themselves and kind of navigating those careers. Um, So if you are privy to someone who is, who has you know, done a great job at navigating their singing career um, and has some wisdom to impart, whether they're a vocal coach, a session singer, um, background singer, that kind of uh, experience uh, I love to talk about um, on the show. Um, now, if you have an artist that happens to have navigated, you know, the the... Industry well on their own as well, um, in any way. Then I, I'd love to, you know, explore that. But I don't really promote projects really on the show because I, I, I feel like uh, the navigational stuff is more meaty and relevant to the audience. So with that being said, guys, thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again for joining. Um, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes and please do share with your friends um, it does help the podcast get to more people obviously if you share it but uh you know it does move it up in the ranks so i enjoyed this conversation i'd love to know what you think yeah send me a dm oh you can also email at hi at the working singer podcast.com. that's h i at the working so guys I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for joining me again this week. And I will talk to you again next week.